It's like a burnt offering. Like I pour myself out like a drink offering. I'll stand in front of these people and do the thing that you've called me to do, even if it's not exactly clicking. You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters and starters from across Canada. Hi, my name's Jared. And my name is Elle. And you're listening to The New Leaf Project. On today's episode, we're talking to our really great and long-term friend, Kevin Makins, and all the really cool stuff that he is up to. So Elle, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be hearing about in this episode. Sure. Kevin Makins is a church planter in Hamilton, Ontario. I got the opportunity to spend uh, a morning with him at his house. Um, It was great to spend some time with him. He is the planter at Eucharist Church. Uh, You can check out his website, eucharistchurch.ca. But aside from all of those interesting things that he's doing with his church plant, he actually um, did a tour. And that's what we're going to be chatting a little bit about today called the Holy Shift Tour. Um, You can catch it on YouTube. You can check it on his website, uh, kevinmakins.com. Really interesting stuff. He went around, I don't want to give too much of it away because he explains it in the interview, but essentially he and some friends, they do a bike tour and they, um, this traveling sermon and take it on the road to a number of places in and around the GTA here in Ontario. And you know what I appreciate about Kevin? Kevin is live and, you know, and funny and energetic, but he is not afraid to put himself out there and try things for the kingdom. And that I really appreciate. And we talk so much about that at New Leaf, that we need to try things, try things, try things. He is someone who actually tries things. He gives it a try. He's not sure about the outcome, but he wants to do and follow the spirit as it leads. And so thrilling to connect with him and spend this time with him. And really glad that we can share this story with you. All right, let's give it a listen. Well, friends, welcome to the New Leaf Podcast today. I am here with my friend Kevin Makins. Hi. And we are in his beautiful home in downtown Hamilton. Just hanging out. I know everybody here is like, whoa, Hamilton, beautiful. Those are the two words I always put together. Well, you have a do, you live in a nice part of Hamilton. Hamilton has all a nice part of Hamilton. Because this is actually not a nice part of Hamilton, according no, to it, most metrics. It tricked me. I know. It's because Hamilton's super... It's because it's like gritty, but also kind of glam. Ah, You know, like your grit it. and your glam. That's it. It's like paradox of it. It's so beautiful. I like it. The both, oh. the both end of the it. The both end of it. Wow, nice. we are doing some deep dives into Christianese already. <laughs> so we're here today to chat with you about you and about oh, this awesome about me. tour that you <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, we can talk about that too. We can talk about anything. All right. So for those people who don't have the pleasure of knowing you, why don't you share with us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. My name is Kevin Makins. So I'm a pastor of a church in downtown Hamilton, just a couple of blocks over from where we are sitting right now. Uh, And we church planted back in 2010 with a small group in downtown Hamilton. And then since then, the church has grown and evolved. And we have learned all sorts of stuff about being a local church. Like we're a very parish oriented church. Most people in our church live within like a five, six kilometer stretch of, Mm. of here. So we have a very connected, engaged downtown Hamilton church. My whole life is very, very small. I don't usually leave a couple of kilometers. I mostly walk one street. Uh, but then occasionally we like to do things that stretch out of our little bubble. 
um, and try to share some of what we've learned, some of what I've learned pastoring in this particular context. So we've made podcasts and I've made a YouTube channel and we did this tour, Holy Shift, which is a bit of what we'll talk about today. And so we'd like to just try things and, and find any way we can to share the story of what God's doing in Hamilton and, and share what God's doing here and how that might connect with wherever other people are and what God's doing in your place. That's pretty cool. So you planted down here. You lived down here with your family. Mm-hmm. Why, why Hamilton? Well, I'm born and raised Hamiltonian. Okay. So I, mostly I just didn't want to leave home because I'm scared. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so I was raised in the escarpment of Hamilton, which if you know if you know Hamilton, there's like a three, four hundred foot wall that like cuts the city in half. And uh, the wall was like a glacier carved escarpment. We call it the mountain, but it's most certainly not a mountain. Uh, and so the lower city of Hamilton was historically very impoverished. And uh, the steel industry kind of boomed down in this part of the city for a long time. Bottom fell out in the kind of, I think it was about the 60s or 70s, the bottom of it fell out, maybe even the 80s. But uh, that just led to a whole generation of poverty in lower city Hamilton. Okay. But then on top of this escarpment, it's like very Hunger Games. On top of the escarpment, people dressed in fabulous clothing and had animal faces. No, that's Hunger Game references. But it was much just more of a, a kind of a middle-class suburb. Okay. So I was raised in the suburbs of Hamilton. Wonderful place to be raised. Great people. But we never went downtown. Like, my parents worked downtown, and they they saw all that they needed to see. Like, my mom told me this story once about she drove – she was driving downtown just past our house here to the to the sailing school that she used to work at. And on the drive down, it was snowy, and somebody was scraping the window of their car off. And as her car – she drove by and, and had plenty of space. The person just turned and yelled and hit her windshield with the scraper and then started chasing behind her. Oh my God. And that's kind of like your downtown Hamilton thing. So, so it was you just, were never allowed to go downtown. We were, not, we were allowed to visit for a, a brief amount of time. At least that's what everyone said. Like those are the kind of stories you'd hear. Right. And then when I was in high school, I came down to work at Beasley Park, which was at the time the third poorest postal code in Canada. And just a couple of blocks over from here. And when I went down and worked the summer camp, I was just like, this is terrifying. Like they're, they said like, whoa, there used to be a lot of trees, but we had to cut them down because men would masturbate in the bushes. And you were like, uh, am I allowed to say masturbate on this podcast? Yeah, why not? It's just biological description um, of a crime. And they were like, oh, and we had to turn off the water fountain because people were having showers in it. And it was just like, oh my goodness. And, and I walked out my first day and there were people heating up heroin in the back uh, of the of the youth center and I remember like having these 30 kids that came to this camp that I was running along with these two people I was 16 like I should not have been working at this camp I was way too young but we were running this camp for these kids and they were the coolest kids and they were fascinating they were really young from all over the world from from houses with poverty and 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 from like you know tough backgrounds but they were resilient and funny and and full of life and the kids would skateboard there and you were just like this is super interesting. Mm-hmm. And so it was during that time where I like, it's your classic arcade fire suburb kid, you know, wakes up when he visits downtown, but it really is true. Like it woke me up and suddenly I was like, this is fascinating. And I've never seen anything real like this. You know, I've never seen anything that felt this honest and gritty and, and, and beautiful in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was when I fell in love with downtown Hamilton. And so when, when a little while later I had this big faith awakening and then eventually got dragged my butt into pastoring um, and we knew we wanted to church plant it was pretty clear where we wanted to do it so when we were like 
2021, my wife and I, we had just gotten married because we went to a Christian private school for university. So we got married at 20. Uh, I know, I know, which should have been a disaster. Like we really should be divorced by now, but things are actually going amazing and we love each other. It's been the greatest marriage. But yeah, we did the the early Christian marriage thing. I had just become a Christian. So I had this big born again fever and I just dove into marriage. Uh, and, and it's been born great. again fever, born again it. fever. I'm going to uh, use that sometime. Yeah, that's what it's like. You've got to wait and cool off <laughs> or you'll get married at 20, which again, worked out great for me. I just don't recommend it for people. I'm not <laughs> recommending it. Uh, and we moved downtown at 21 and we just started hanging out down here and we fell in love with it. And that's kind of how the seed of this church that I'm a pastor of got started. So the people like that are hanging around now, like what's the community like at, at your church plant? Yeah, I mean, it's increasingly we're just a boring church. It's been seven years. So like at this point, people are like, oh, you guys like a cool church plan? I'm like, we're mostly a boring church with committees. Like we got a little organized, um, but we are still like a pretty interesting, innovative group of people. Um, Very diverse in some ways, um, especially along uh, backgrounds around like theological backgrounds, especially in church mm. backgrounds. So we are very interdenominational. Our church is technically a part of the Canadian Baptists of Ontario and Quebec, but no one in our church was raised Baptist. At least like maybe like two people were raised Canadian Baptist and maybe one was raised Fellowship Baptist. And then there are people raised Anglican and Pentecostal and Latter-day Saints. And somebody was raised in a hippie co-op that was like a non-religious hippie co-op and other people were raised with no church background at all. Um, other people raised in secular Jewish homes. Like we just have this gamut of backgrounds that makes up our church. So it's a very interdenominational place. Um, we're happy to be a part of a denomination, but for us, that is a tribe to keep us rooted, not a wall to put around our community. Mm. Um, we love seeing people from no church background become a part of our church. Like that's just, for me is the best, like somebody who doesn't have all the church baggage that everybody else has. And you're like, when you say, Oh, Jesus lived and died and resurrected and it's good news they believe it (laughs) and then they're like oh we should tell people about this and i'm like i know right (laughs) like they're like oh wait you mean we're supposed to just come to church every week and sit here and listen and consume it and leave like they're they don't have those weird assumptions they're just like oh we should tell people about this we should take care of our neighbors then so i love that and i love getting people who were on their way out of the church and maybe they were burned or they had baggage or whatever it is And on their way out, they kind of ran into somebody from Eucharist and they said, well, maybe we'll give it one more shot. And we get to be a place that uh, presents them maybe a little less anxious version of the gospel and and a version that that is a little more resonant for them. So, yeah, Yeah. we say we're often we say we're a front door, back door community. We we catch people on the front door into Christian faith. And sometimes we catch people that are going through the back door and say, hey. Give it another try. Hmm. Yeah. I like that line. It's a good line. Front door, Somebody door. said that as they left our church. This is this is the gift. They left our church. And they, they left s- you a gift. That's they nice. were saying, uh, I'm like a comfortable Christian and I like believe and I'm very comfortable with all these things. And Eucharist is more of like a front door, back door Christian church. And so like, I'm going to go. And I was like, whoa, that is kind of weird because like front door, back door people need you if you're like a rooted in your faith Christian. Um, so like maybe stick around cause there's like a mission for you here. But then it was like, oh, you're going to go. That's okay. And I was like, well, thanks for giving us the gift at least of like, what you kind of meant as a like, so I can't stick around is now for me the, oh, that's what our church is. Right. So it's a good line. I'm grateful for it. What are some of the interesting things that you guys have tried over the years 
um, in terms of like neighborhood stuff, missional stuff, community stuff? Oh, I could tell you a lot of things we've tried. I don't know how many things I can tell you that have worked. But that's okay. <laughs> those, are we, the best, those are the best stories, are the, sometimes the ones that don't work out. Yeah, I mean, people might have heard this story before if they've ever been anywhere where I've spoken because it's like one of my go-to stories. But we, the first year we had this idea that you know, Halloween is this one time a year where everybody's out walking around, going door to door, meeting their neighbors. And for some reason, Christians are often like, this is a great day to hunker down in the church and not talk to anybody else. It's, it's crazy. Everybody's outside walking around. When does that happen? There's free candy, you monsters. So we thought we should do something for Halloween. So we had mm. this Halloween party in the park the first year. And we set up um, like a bobbing for apple station and candy and face painting station. And we set up this maze, a rope maze. And we set up these prayer candle station for All Saints Day so people could light candles for the dead like you do. And uh, the first year we did it, it was like in the Spectator, the, the Hamilton newspaper. And like all these people came. It was this huge success. And we have all these photos of people like singing and dancing. We were like, oh my goodness, it worked. So then, you know, in the church, the weird thing is when you do an event and it goes really well, you now have an annual event yeah, you on your hand. You need a committee. So we we got a team together. And the next year, year two of the church, we were like, let's go even bigger and better. So we started planning weeks in advance. And we uh, we went to, to No Furls and got those cardboard boxes they have and we painted them and built these gigantic robots we made this huge robot themed halloween party and we like made the maze bigger and doubled the candy and tripled the amount of incense candles you could light for the dead by popular request and we just had this like amazing park party ready and we were like yeah all right here we go bring on the kids and nobody came like no l literally nobody not even the kids from our own church showed up was it robots? It was they like, a fan of the robots. I don't know. We were like, what the hell? What hell? We had it was such a success. Where is everybody? And it was some somehow that year it was dark at the same, even though we had it at the same time, it was <laughs> rainy and like it was drizzly. Right. And, and we ended up blaming it on one of the robots. We made like one of the robots a scapegoat. So you're kind of accurate. We were like, it's him. And we beat up the robot and we took photos of us pile driving him. But man, it was just a flop. So we have since learned... Uh, our job is to be faithful and try things. Our job is to experiment, prototype, go where the Spirit's calling us. We get very little control over the response to what we do, um, whether it's successful or failure by human metrics. Right. But it's our job to keep showing up. It's our job to keep trying. So uh, we have done art installations at the Art Crawl, which is a big event in, in downtown Hamilton, where we did this Saints and Sinners piece where we had... 75 people from our church, we took photos of them with halos behind their head and blood on their hands, which was a little creepy, and then posted all like 70, 75 of these photos next to each other on the art crawl and had this little write-up about how the basic human condition is being caught somewhere between a saint and a sinner. And uh, as a church, we're learning to accept that that we have been called saints. You know, So we just had this, this kind of mm. space to make dialogue. We did another art installation going right up the side of the escarpment for Easter one year. We... Uh, have worked for bike lanes. We got bike lanes built in our city. That was an initiative that our small group started. So we actually created the longest stretch of bike lanes in Ontario. That's um, amazing. It may be in Canada. I'm not positive. Don't quote me on that. But it is in Ontario across Cannon Street, which is this four-lane highway in Hamilton that now you'll see it as you drive by. You'll see this beautiful bike lane. And, and that kind of kicked off a bike lane revolution that there's now bike lanes on almost every major street. That's awesome. In, in Hamilton. So, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Um, we've had some successes like that. 
other failures. I mean, we've had lots of failures. We've tried a million small group models. We, we've tried discipleship models, uh, neighborhood engagement models. Some of those have worked. Some of those haven't worked. Um, but we're really okay with that. Like our, right. our job is to show up and experiment. Uh, and now we have another pastor, Pastor Jill. And Jill is brilliant and actually knows things and is um, capable of bringing some order to the chaos um, I'm much more of the chaos end of our church. I like setting things on fire and seeing what happens. Uh, Jill is the order side of our church. And uh, within our community, there's there's a lot of people that lean in one way or the other. But we're learning to embrace both in a really cool way. And so we're, we're becoming much more sustainable, which means we can experiment more. So hearing that you're like trying things and experimenting things, it's no surprise to me then that this holy shift tour... Like, yeah. Is that something that was kind of birthed like at your church? Like were the ideas kind of coming together? Like what, how did this kind of start? Yeah. So it started for me with this idea that I knew a lot of people who, when they came to visit church, who weren't Christians, they liked the sermon um, and they liked the church. They liked the people, but the whole thing is weird to them. Like you go to a building and then we're here like from in their mind, we're here for a lecture but then they're actually here for a song and then another song. And then they're here for a confession of sins. <laughs> and then like, as we do confession of sins, because we have, we have some liturgy, we do it poorly, but we have some liturgy. Uh, and then we're praying together and people are writing out their prayers and we're praying them out loud. And then we're coming up to a table and eating someone's body and drinking their blood. And then there's a potluck. And for some people, that's just a lot, you right. know, that's a, that's a, which is good because church isn't a show, you know? So some people have responded to that by saying, oh, well, let's just make church um, a, a sermon, you know, like one song sermon, one song go home. But that's, no, that's dumb. That's it's not dumb if that's your church. I don't mean to say that it's dumb, but you're wrong. It's, <laughs> no, it's just bad ecclesiology. Right. Like the church is a community of people being shaped in the direction of Jesus, having their lives become more and more like the life of Christ together. So it shouldn't be a great show all the time. Right. Um, but there was this desire from people I knew who were Christians and who weren't Christians to just engage deeper with an idea in a way that you can't do on Sunday because you've got all these other parts of liturgy and you've got kids, like kids running around a church ruins the magic of church because I mean, it adds the kid magic, but it ruins the like hour and a half long sermon. You just can't do that stuff anymore. Right. We did it when we started. I preached once for 90 minutes. Wow. I know That's it's ambitious. too long. It was too boring. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it wasn't boring. But, uh, you know, we, we, we could experiment with this kind of stuff. But once we became a church church, it was like, oh, well, where do those things live? Right. You know, those kind of times to get together and chew on an idea and sit around afterwards. And, and what if the setting was a setting that was just a little different? I, I'm comfortable in church settings. A lot of people are. A lot of people, if you invite them and sit with them, will be comfortable. But what if we could put this in a place that is not a spot you talk about God, not a spot you talk about the Bible? Um, so we thought, well, what if we did this in bars <laughs> and what if you did it like a live show, like where people see music and people see live comedy or, or performance. And so then we kind of had this idea of, eh, what if we toured a show around and did this like a one man show, but it would be a sermon. And, uh, then it was like, well, what do we talk about? And my wife, Meg was the one who pointed out, she's like, every time you go and speak at a young adults event or a youth group or at church, like all the time, you hit on this idea of redemptive movement, that that the Bible is a redemptive unfolding story that we're a part of. And I would always like add sessions at youth conferences to say, if anyone wants to talk about this movement idea, we'll talk about it. 
And Meg said, why don't you talk about that? It seems like that's something that's resonated in all these different settings. What if you were to talk about that? Because that seems to help people understand the Bible more and their own story more. Um, So then we went, all right, let's do it. And as we were chewing on it, we thought, oh, it's like a bicycle. Like, that's what this movement feels like. And then I was like, oh, crap, we're going to have to bike this tour. Because once you realize it's like a bicycle, you're like, crap, we have to do this on a bicycle. So so when we did the tour, we, we cycled it. From I wouldn't city have probably got there, but I mean you. I'm just a hype person. So as soon as I thought it, I was like, damn it, I'm going to have to bike city to city now. And so myself and two friends biked from city to city and we shot footage and we uh, recorded it and, and had live music. And then when we ultimately landed in Hamilton, we, we recorded the version that we used now in the YouTube video. Okay. So how many cities did you go to? Went to six cities. Six cities. Yeah, just southern Ontario. We didn't even go to London. <laughs> like That was too far. Because London's a three-hour drive. I don't even know how long they would take on bikes. So we went to the bikeable directions. Kind of went from okay. here and stretched across the GTA. Um, and wish we could have organized more trips out to some other spots. But organization's not my strong suit. So we thought for the first time we try a tour, we'll just do it to some closer cities and cycle it. Right. So what are some of the concepts that you touch on during this show? Have you watched the show? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. Well then, otherwise I was going to say, no, no, some of the concepts. I try to be a good interviewer. I know you're a very good interviewer. You did your research. Um, we touch on the Bible and, and the Bible is really a big part of this, but I just had an atheist write me on, on YouTube today and say, I watched the whole show and I just swapped out some of the language for accessible language that I could use and I found it incredibly helpful. Um, so that's cool. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's designed to help humans, right. not just to help Christians. Right. And <laughs> so, you're hoping that people watch it in small groups. And- yeah. Watch and talk about it together. Don't just listen to me. Let me kick off a conversation. Yeah. Um, so the Bible part is largely about what do you do with these weird texts in the Bible? The Bible is a weird book. If you don't think that, then you've lost your moral compass because there's genocide and violence and uh, sexism and oppression uh, and and bestiality. Like there's just weird stuff in the Bible. Yep, for sure there is. And so people would say to me all the time, I'd have non-Christian friends say, well, the Bible, the issues of the Bible are X, Y, Z, and they'd name off these verses. And then I started having Christian friends say to me, well, the problem with the Bible is X, Y, Z. And I was like, oh my goodness, it looks like everybody's feeling this. But but there's some ways to understand the Bible that actually makes sense of this and reveal why even these really violent, primitive things, seemingly primitive to us, are actually also holding good news. Mm-hmm. And so part of the show is taking people back to these texts and saying, let's laugh about them because they're funny. And let's uh, weep a little bit because they're horrible. And let's see what the Bible is doing. Like if God inspired these texts, if we believe that God is moving in human history, then what is that spirit of love doing in these texts? And which direction is it shifting the culture? Mm -hmm. And when you kind of zoom out of the Bible and get a bit of a meta narrative of it and look at it as a story from beginning to the end of its text extending into our lives today, you get a real sense of direction. You get a sense of movement and momentum to it. And then you get to say, and this is kind of the second half of the show, spoilers, is is a little bit of, okay, so if this movement is happening through the entire biblical history, which is covering stories that cover thousands of years, right? what does that mean today? Mm-hmm. What does that mean in 2017? What does that mean uh, in your life and in my life? And what is my individual responsibility to this movement? And, and what's the good news for me and my community? I liked the concept that you touched on about like, the fact that we view those stories very 
very primitive and archaic. So we think they're just so primitive. But at the time, actually, there was some progressiveness in it. There was some, you know, like it It, it seems awful and it, it is and it, it was, but at the same time, compared to other things. Compared to the, yeah, you got to compare it. Yeah. You don't compare something in history to today. Right. You compare it to itself. And right. you compare it to what reality was like then. And progress is a funny word because like we've got all these progressive movements today and right. progressive Christianity and, and I'm friends with all that gang and, I, and I'm happy to be um, in a tribe with people that are would call themselves progressive. I don't know if we get to call ourselves progressive. Right. I'm a, kind of a fan that history gets to decide if we're progressive or not. Agreed. I think we get to do our best. Yeah. Um, but when you look back on these stories, you can see actual progress, yeah. real human progress. Um, and that doesn't mean we don't have issues today, but it means that in the places where uh, and in the people who rooted themselves in the biblical story, you can see progress um, when we allow this thing to move us. And in the biblical accounts, you get um, these brilliant ideas of the equality of men and women before God and, and that they are mutually image bearers of God. You know, from beginning to end, you see that, but you also see a movement in the way the culture is responding to these women. You see a movement in terms of slavery and mm-hmm. violence. You see a movement uh, when it comes to revenge and forgiveness. And so Jesus, you know, he picks up these movements and shifts them forward in a massive way uh, and is kind of our, our archetype, our, our prototype for what it looks like to be fully human. But then you see the New Testament church and they're still wrestling through what does it look like to be in God's movement? What does it look like to be mm-hmm. truly progressing in the right direction, moving towards the kingdom of God step by step, never fully arriving, but moving towards it in that direction? Right. And so I think if the New Testament church is wrestling with these things, uh, which they are, I mean, some people might debate that, but like questions of divorce, I, you know, that's a new question Paul's dealing with in Corinthians saying, we've never had this one before. How do we move forward? Right. You can see him planting seeds that will come to fruition later. And so today, how do we both harvest the seeds that Paul, the New Testament authors, and ultimately the, the Holy Spirit has been planting in history? And how do we plant seeds with God's Spirit today that are going to come to life beyond our generation? But like, what are the steps, those first initial steps, if we're talking about seeds, like what are the first seeds that you kind of planted to get this thing going? Oh, it was a nightmare of scheduling. I mean, everyone has their own skills and gifts and, and things that give them life. Right. Um. You know, so... so Actually talking at the tour, that gives me life. Hanging out with people afterwards and and, and engaging in rich conversation gives me life. Uh, getting the branding done gave me life. Like finding a, my, a friend of mine, Josiah, who's an amazing visual designer, that gave me life. Emails saps everything out of my very bones. Like the scheduling of venues. Oh my gosh. I'd call a venue and say, I'd call a venue and say, can we book a show then? They'd say, sure. What kind of music is it? And I'd say, oh, no, it's like a more of a talking show. And they'd say, oh, what kind of talking show? And I'd be like, uh, it's like, a, have you seen TED Talks? Have you seen, it's like a comedy TED Talk one-man show sermon. And they're like, what was that last one? And I was like, uh, like telling people, oh, can, can I find anything else you've ever done? Yeah, go to eucharistchurch.ca. <laughs> And they're just like, you're not preaching. Are you Are you going to yell about gay people? I'm like, no, I promise. I'm not going to be a hate speecher. Like trying right. to book a venue. Uh, each city was a disaster. And it was only six cities. Um, so that was a big learning curve. Mm. The initial seed was the idea itself. And, the, and being stupidly brave enough to say, this will work out. Right. Um, 
because it's a it's a vulnerable thing to throw yourself out there. I mean, you know that you're doing this podcast and then you upload it and you post on all your social medias. Hey, everyone, I made a new thing. Come listen to it. And everyone and, and in your mind, everyone's like, we don't care about you. and We don't care about anything right. you've ever done. Like it's the devil's in that stuff. Like sure it is. is so easy to let fear stop you from even starting Mm -hmm. because you think, well, what am I going to, what am I going to like for me? What am I going to go and talk about this in front of a bunch of people? Some of whom I know, some of whom I don't. What if nobody shows up? What if people show up and they hate it? What if, what if, what if it gets released online and nobody watches it? What if you do all this work and put all your own money into it? Because I got no funders behind this. Like, right. well, now I have a Patreon page. Thank you, Patreons. But up until very recently, it was just money I could make from speaking somewhere that I throw into this project. Right. And so you just think, what if I waste all this time, money, and energy, and at the end, people just laugh? Not in the good way. Not at the jokes. What if they laugh at me? And what if they don't care? And what if people are accurate that no one cares about talking about God anymore. Uh, And so I had this, like all this anxiety and it hits you at step one. It hits you at, you're sitting there going, do I even make the folder on my computer called Holy Shift? Because if I do, I'm, I'm opening myself up to all of that. So, I mean, I think this is a huge lesson I've learned is, is to take that risk. Um, to try to minimize the amount of regret you'll have in your life. Because if you really care about something, you should really pursue it. And not to get too spiritual or preachy, but I think that that's how the spirit works. I think that God gives desire. I think desires are good, or at least can be good. So uh, if you're listening and you are scared to make the folder, face that fear and make the folder. So for me, it was making the folder, and then it was gathering thoughts, and then it was saying, I think there's enough here. And then it was getting some graphic design, and then it was... I'll go through the steps. Like it was like getting people together in my house and running through it with 20 people and saying, was that the worst ever? Or was there something good there? Right. And then it was making the website and a promo video and sharing it incessantly on social media. And then it was booking in all the cities that we were going to be in. And then it was emailing specific people in every city I knew and saying, would you personally come to this show? I, I think that you'd like it and I'd love to have you there. And can you bring some friends so it's not just my 10 friends there? And then it was like... Actually, once everything's booked, getting some people together, a musician and a videographer friend and getting our bikes tuned and fixed up and getting all the gear on bikes. And like the amount of steps you do for these things is crazy. Getting sound gear to some of these locations, even though we only had a bike. Mm. And then it was going and oh my gosh. And the first show in KW, in KW. Sorry, I missed it. Yeah, we weren't friends yet. So I'll let you off the hook. I didn't email you personally. Can you come to the show? Uh, it got it got some momentum eventually, but that's how it starts. And, and you just got to, if I can swear, you just got to eat shit for a while, just begging your friends to care. <laughs> so uh, when, when we showed up, there was this part in the show that gets very silly. And I was like, the room was a little tense in KW. You know, you're a very academic crowd up in KW. And, and people are very social justice, right? Like they care about justice, yes. which means they also sometimes don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> I, my church is also, and I, we love social justice, but it's just like, people are like, is this proper and correct? And, and is this just, and, and it's actually quite a silly show at points. So we got to the point that I thought this is very funny part. Everyone will loosen up, you know, they'll all chill and then we can laugh and learn at the same time. And I got to this part and I was like, and the woman runs across town and grabs the penis. This is quoting the Bible <laughs> of this man and, and damage will be done. And, and nobody laughed. <laughs> Like at all. So I'm acting out a woman running across town grabbing a penis and no, no one, one is laughed. smiling. 
they are like analyzing the merits of that text. And I was like, oh no, I'm standing there in front of this group of 40 people and, and like some of my friends and some people that came with my friends because my friends said, you'll love the show and they're not loving the show. And I'm standing there going, oh, I just have talked for 20 minutes and nobody is on board. And the only way out of this is to talk for another 60 minutes. That's the only way out is to keep going through the whole thing. I'm sorry for my Kitchener water. Oh, I love KW. It's not their fault. <laughs> it's not their fault. It was the first night. I didn't know how to loosen people up. I was working on stuff. But but those are like, in that moment, day two cycling to Toronto was like death. Because it's like, I did all these small steps, all this work. And I had all these fears. And I thought, no, God, these fears won't come true. You will meet us in that moment. No, the fear came true on the first night. Right. So now I'm thinking the next five nights are going to be the exact same experience. And that's that's all part of that that fear. So getting through that and then filming it and, and editing it and, and getting a new soundtrack and all these steps and releasing it on YouTube. The whole thing is this process of, is this going to just bomb? But back to the experimenting stuff with our church. I don't know that that's our job to control whether it bombs or not. Yeah. I think... Um, not to personify God too much, but you know, I, I do to, to, in my relationship with God, I think that it brought God some pleasure that it bombed on that night and that first night. Like, I think it got brought, it's like a, it's like a burnt offering. Like I pour myself out like a drink offering. I'll stand in front of these people and do the thing that you've called me to do, even if it's not exactly clicking. Um, there's a certain amount of like recklessness in that that I think God honors. I think God honors people who work on things that they're called to, whether or not they're wildly successful. Right. So um, now the show did get better and night two went very well. And I was like, oh, okay, this might be okay. And and the reception online has been amazing. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's gotten lots of engagement, emails from people around the world that are watching it. People in, in like Honduras and Bolivia have emailed me wow. and said, we've never heard this before. You know, we, we didn't know you could read the Bible like this. And so... You know, it's a really amazing thing to see how this is being much more fruitful than I thought it would be. But it starts with these really small steps and it starts with confronting a lot of your own fear and anxiety and a bit of a sense of, you know, well, I could never do that for all these reasons. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that is a very human feeling. Mm -hmm. But if anyone listening to this has that feeling, you got to kill it because otherwise that that fear is going to stop you from ever doing anything you care about. You, you, <laughs> on the day you released it, you had a, you had an, some interesting help from someone unintentionally who you didn't know who was going to like help you out with your marketing and PR, right? You had like a famous friend in the States that stole your idea. Oh yeah, Rob Bell. Rob Bell stole the name of my tour. I laughed so hard I mean, I don't know that he knew it. It was an unbelievable, so if you're not familiar with Rob Bell, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, the odds are you, you are familiar rob bell is uh was a pastor in grand rapids and rob was when i first kind of became a christian and then started working in in church context rob bell was the first person to show you to show me what the sermon could look like um and so i I was talking earlier about these tour ideas i mean we did it on a much smaller scale of bars and things like this but he would tour sermons and i remember watching his video of his of his toured sermons like 10 9 10 years ago and thinking you can do that like you can take a sermon to a place where people just hang out and engage with it at this deeper level. And so that was this huge revelation. So the day before we're about to release this tour film, 
after we shot, we went on tour in 2015, had all this branding, holy shift, so excited. We sat on the footage for way too long. We started making other YouTube videos and experimenting with that. And then after two years, we were finally ready to release the film live promo it we've got pictures five days four days three days two days tomorrow this releases the holy shift tour that day rob bell announces his new across canada and probably the world tour the holy shift tour i gotta tell you l are you are you kidding me i saw it and i was like Oh my gosh, he stole Kevin's idea. I melted. I don't even know what the content of the tour is going to be, but I just died. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Now, mind you, it doesn't hurt me in any way. Of course not. It doesn't right. matter. It's not, there's no negative to it. It's nobody knows who I am. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a couple people that watch my stuff, but compared to him, this is a whole different thing. He didn't steal it off me. But they might like search that and find you. Maybe. And hey, Rob, if you're listening to the New Leaf podcast, which, <laughs> which I'm, I'm sure you've never missed an episode. He's our biggest fan. I mean, I'm hoping he'll just have me on his podcast and we can laugh about having good taste in names. And uh, then I can get all the people that listen to his stuff engaging with this stuff. But uh, that'd be awesome. So yeah, I'm not mad. It's just very, very funny. You hold funny. no grudges against I Mr. Robell. No grudges against Mr. Robell. Well, just when he's listening, love to be on your podcast. Yeah. So when you when you look back on this whole experience with Holy Shift, yeah, what's the thing that you are the most proud of? Or you kind of look back on it and you're like, <laughs> oh, like the thing that leaves you with the warm fuzzies. I mean, I liked making it. So, like, the, the actual tour and the shooting was fun. But the editing, like, we spent way too long editing this thing. Like, because it was the first time Jesse and I had ever worked. Jesse, uh, Jesse Driftwood on Instagram. Now, he became an Instagram superstar in the time we were shooting this. Ah. When we were first working on this, he had about 1,000 followers. And now he has, like, over 50,000. So oh, my goodness. He did very well in the last year and a bit. Um, but we were, it was the first time we'd ever edited something with five cameras over two nights. So, 10 shots and multiple audio tracks and we we cut it from an hour and a half to an hour and three minutes so like we cut out tons of stuff and just that was a ton of work but man we had fun like mm-hmm. we would order takeout and we would just drink beer and like eat pizza and sit in front of the computer for for dozens of hours just editing and all of it was at night because I'm a pastor full time and he's got his day job, you know, shooting and editing. So we would just at night, we'd meet up at eight o'clock and we'd edit till 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Then we'd go to bed and get up in the morning and do our normal jobs and then get together again at eight or nine. Or And so we just had this great time. So I think that's part of the thing for, for me and back to the theme of like faithfully just doing what you're called to do. If you're doing things that you're called to do, you'll probably find a lot of joy in them. Yeah. So I found just a lot of joy in the act of making it. Um, and that was probably the most rewarding thing. And now I'm just grateful that it's done and I'm grateful that it's accessible. Like for me, the idea of, uh, I've said this on, uh, when I, whenever I talk about the show, you can find books that teach everything that's in the show. Like I'm not a genius. I'm not smart. I'm not particularly smart. Um, this is good professors. I had good teachers, good authors I've read and just people don't want to order those books online and wait for them to show up and then read them because right. reading's hard. So the idea of taking these ideas that you can dig into at a much deeper level, but making them accessible to anyone with a computer or a phone that you can go to YouTube and watch this and sit down with friends, sit down with your family, watch the show, talk about it afterwards, and that it's right there. Whenever somebody says to you, what's up with the weird laws in the Bible? You can say, oh, you don't need to order a book. You can just go watch this video and it's a little entertaining and you can make popcorn. And then if you want to dig in more, read an actual book. You right. know, that's so exciting to me. And that's, I think, being 
the thing that I'm now most proud of about this is that it, it exists and people can grab it and it's hopefully going to have a long shelf life as a tool for people. So what's the thing you're working on now that you're excited about? What are we working on now? I'm always working on a million small things. I mean, right now it's a bit of a shift time back into, well, into promoting Holy Shift, which is part of this, like trying to just tell people about it. Um, local stuff like the church, uh, Eucharist church, working in our context with uh, some neighborhood ministry stuff we're doing and some big projects that we're working on that are like terrifying. So there'll be a small season of, of really giving it exp- like only to local stuff. Um, and then at the time, at the same time, I'm working on some other projects. So I'm writing a book, which has been very fun. I've never done that before. Uh, I keep jumping from project to project and then I just probably won't ever get good at any of them. <laughs> but yeah, writing, writing has been a very interesting thing. We went on a sabbatical last year, my wife and baby and I to Sri Lanka. So I wrote most of the book when we were in Sri Lanka about our story as a church and what we've learned about being the church in uh, hostile places to church like Canada and uh, making YouTube videos every every week. There's new YouTube videos just about every week. And so trying to share content that is shorter than Holy Shift, uh, that is hopefully getting at faith from different angles. So if people want to connect with you, where's the best place to find you online? You can go to my website. It's kevinmakins.com, M-A-K-I-N-S.com. Uh, and then you can also go to YouTube. And if you type in Kevin Makins, M-A-K-I-N-S, into YouTube, you'll find my YouTube channel. And if you subscribe on there... If you hit the little notification, I'll just, it'll email you when videos come out. You don't even have to go to YouTube. So that's probably the two best spots. And I'm happy to connect on Facebook or Instagram. I'd love if anyone listening to this is a, is engaging with anything that we're making and saying, oh, this really sounds like my community in, in XYZ place. Email me. My, my hope with this YouTube channel is to eventually connect people across Canada at least who are watching these videos and saying, I wish I had a local church community that that felt like this. Right. I really want to say, oh, you probably do. There's probably a community in this web of New Leaf and other networks like you guys that you would connect, them, yeah. connect. So yeah, so I really want to push into that over the next year. So if you're a part of a church community or you're hoping to shape one, uh, you're in a city and there's, there's nothing existing in this kind of uh, stream and you want to form a house church or whatever it is, Facebook me, Instagram me, whatever. I'd love to connect and uh, really try to connect people that want to do these kingdom projects together. That's awesome. Kevin, thank you for your time. It's been hey, entertaining and engaging. And thank you for hosting me at your lovely home. Absolutely. All right. Cheers. All right. That was Kevin Makins uh, and our very own L. Pike talking um, about what, what, uh, what, what Kevin's got going on with this Holy Shift tour. I got to make sure I, I really enunciate that. Um, I tried really, really hard in the interview. Really, really hard. <laughs> yeah, you have to <laughs> you have to take your time with that title. Um, so Kevin, it's I, I found it really interesting because Kevin was very inspired by Rob Bell and 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 how Rob Bell uh, kind of managed his his pastoral. Uh, ministry by by becoming a preacher for all kinds of people and and really putting his ideas out there and uh it's so ironic <laughs> that you know Kevin being inspired by Rob Bell they now have the same basic tour name but I want to point this out Rob Bell if you're listening and I know you probably are um, he he doesn't miss an episode no no that's that's what he tells us yeah um listen Rob you really do need to change the name of your tour 
because Kevin came up with it first and, and we have proof. So when your lawyers meet our lawyers, it's not going to be pretty, man. It's just not going to be pretty. So <laughs> that's so funny. Can you imagine us having lawyers. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. The... <laughs> someday, someday we'll have lawyers. Maybe I laughed though. I, I did laugh because uh, I knew that uh, Kevin was, was releasing this. And so I did see the, the message from Rob Bell and I was like, Holy shift. He stole his title. <laughs> his title. But hopefully it gets uh hopefully it gets Kevin some views because really it, it's a great video. It's it you know it's mm-hmm. 60 minutes mm-hmm. long. It's a talk. It's uh he did these talks in different locations. I know some of them were in bars, some of them were in coffee shops. And you know, it's it's good. It's funny. He's funny. Uh, it's engaging. And it really was this idea of um, bringing people, you know, maybe who aren't necessarily churchgoers or wouldn't necessarily call themselves Christians. It's this conversation about the Bible and that, um, you know, often in society, it's viewed as this thing that's primitive and backward and violent. But yet, you know, the first readers thought it was progressive and dangerous and maybe even revolutionary and, and what happened. And so how do we chat about that? Um, and he touches on some things that are, are difficult and things that... Um, you know, if you've read the Bible for a long time, you have to be honest that there's some tough stuff in there that you have to wrestle through. And he's honest with that in, in the tour um, and shares that. And so he's hoping that people will will watch the video with friends, will use it as um, almost like a small group discussion. There's a discussion guide that's actually available on his website on kevinmakins.com. And you can actually chat this out with some friends. So it's good work. And, and you know what? I'm proud of him because... Um, I it's it's already he's already getting responses online people emailing him people connecting with him about the content and um, I'm proud that he put it out there I think it's an important conversation to have and I know I'll be recommending it to a few of my friends as well so I was glad to have spent some time with him it was great I I actually was very fortunate and I I actually got to go to one of uh, one of his his these events Uh, it was at a cafe um, in I think it was Oshawa and uh, it was absolutely brilliant. The concept was very cool of them only carrying their gear on on bikes. Uh, they did a multimedia stuff. And Kevin's uh, presentation was great. And I think if you're out there and you've got some friends who are, are worried that the Bible is violent and, and, and don't understand Jesus, I think... Uh, uh, I think this is a really great thing and, and you should uh, uh, get the link and, and send it to your friends who if people want to find this online how do they, how do they go about doing that kevinmakins.com or even if you google in in youtube holy shift tour you will find it we'll put a link to it at the bottom of our um, podcast page as well so in this episode on the website you'll see that information um, and uh, you can check it out even off his website kevinmakins.com so uh, it's so there's it's lots of it's on the interwebs in lots of places as it as it should be (laughs) so l if if people want to uh connect with us the new leaf network how do they how do they do that and and just tell them everything about us sure so uh connect with us on our website newleafnetwork.ca we've always got new events and new things going on so be sure to keep keep up on the website facebook as well we're quite good at updating facebook of of things that are going on events conversation the blog so many great writers have been writing on the new leaf network blog it is an honor to be hearing from these voices across canada be sure to check that out as well um and of course here on the on the podcast those are the places that you can find us most regularly and if you're one of those people that likes to be subscribed to email lists 
I'm actually one of those people. Um, we can add. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah, because there's groups I want to I want to hear from. So if we're one of those groups, um, feel free to sign up for our um, our email that we send out probably about once a quarter. We try not to bug you too much, but we want to keep you updated of everything that's going on and all the events and, and learning parties and conferences that are happening. 2018 is going to be a really busy year. We're really excited and we would love to see you out at some of our events. We'd love to meet some of you face to face. All right, friends. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and starters all across Canada.